Welcome to Adventures in Behaviour Change, the Little Challenges podcast, with me, Katie Elliott. It's a place to find ideas, inspiration and practical tools to help make the messy business of being human just a little bit easier. Join us. My guest on today's show is Hilary Gallo, a man who describes himself as an enabler. A former lawyer, negotiator and mediator, Hilary now focuses on his work as a coach and author and has just published his second book, Fear Hack. Hilary Gallo, thank you for joining me today. Thank you, Katie. I've been very much enjoying your new book, Fear Hack, and I was wondering if we could talk a little bit today about what you've been learning about fear. Yes, I'd be happy to. So I know that you regularly do fear hack activities with people. Can you tell us what a fear hack is? Well, it's about fear um, and it's a bit of a hack. (laughs) So it literally is those two things in that it's trying to look at fear, but look at it also then slightly differently as a way forward. And it's evolved. I started it as a conversation with some exercises, and some of those exercises have proved more powerful than others, so have stayed, whilst others I don't use so much. I mean, I open the thing up, um, talk a little bit about why I'm, why I'm here and why fear is interesting for me and, and why it might be interesting for them in, in terms of talking about it, how it stops us and makes us very positional and freezes us up. And then I do this fear wall thing, which kind of is a good way of getting people on the page. Because I think we can all engage with this self-help stuff kind of intellectually. But what's much more interesting is to put your stuff on the page. So I get people (laughs) to step up and put something on the wall that is of them. And then the most interesting thing is to get people to come back up to that wall once it's complete and look at the wall as it exists for everyone in the room. And then... They make some realisations about how other people see this and how what they see fits into the whole, um, which is kind of a breakthrough moment for people generally. And from there, we have a conversation about what fear is and what it's doing and what they see in the patterns on the wall. And as I've done this more and more and more, just sitting with what's on the wall is incredibly powerful, actually. Mm. And I've had a group of people standing there for literally an hour and a half just talking about what they see and so the book has built on those findings but also what I now see as more of a way forward for people because what I've worked out is that we don't always question our fears we don't have a relationship with them Um, for example somebody in a workshop once said I, my fear is going out of the house and we realized through digging into that fear that actually going out of the house wasn't a fear it was actually a strategy to deal with fear and when this woman inquired about that fear she realized no the fear is actually I'm scared of what might come up when I talk to my neighbor I can't cope with uncertainty that's my fear <laughs> um 
And it's kind of that breakthrough moment to realize that actually we don't even necessarily understand what our fears really are because we label them too easily because we're not having a relationship. We're not having a conversation with them. So part of it is just that inquiry. It's about learning. It's about what is this really about? Even before we start the possibility of reframing it into something more positive or a better strategy. And that's just fascinating because I'd never have thought it was quite so basic and simple, mm-hmm. just inquiry. You're encouraging people to externalise things and bring them into the light so that they can see them for what they are rather than being driven by them inside their own heads. Is it, is it along those lines? Yes, totally. Yeah. So when you talk about the fear wall, people are writing things down and then sticking them on a wall. Is that what happens? Yeah. Yeah. But the wall idea is growing because there's lots of people in the world who are talking about building walls in one form or another, dividing us. But actually, when you put your fears on a wall, it provides a place of hope. It's mm-hmm. kind of an anti-wall because you, you're externalising, as you say, Katie, you're, you're, you're getting stuff outside your head. You're externalising it. You're then looking at it dispassionately. And other people are looking at it dispassionately as you are looking at their stuff and you're thinking, my God, this is crazy. It doesn't really exist. It only exists in my own imagination because none of this stuff, when you look at it, is actually real. And actually, interestingly, it's quite self-interested. Quite a lot of this stuff is just about me and protecting myself in the world. And actually... <laughs> not really helping me to grow you know maybe i just need to accept that life is not that long and and my biggest fear is that i'm i've become too small and my fears have made me smaller than i want to be and actually (laughs) my biggest fear is not being heard and not making an impact and not living the life i was given Ooh, what could i do about that (laughs) so conversation kind of develops and that's kind of what I'm interested in mm-hmm. because if one person goes afraid from that workshop with a commitment to do something bigger, then, then I'm, I'm excited about that and that's helping one person, but it's also helping all of us because all of us want to be bigger and greater and we can be. Yeah. So when you have a group of people and they do this fear wall exercise, what happens in the room when people see one another's fear? quite a lot of what people are saying is, oh my God, 90% of what's up there, I recognize that's me. You know, it's not Mm -hmm. like that's a bunch of people that I disown. There's a community of people. There's a community of people I thought were really cool and actually quite scary, some of them, who also feel like this. What could I do if I allowed some of these people to help me? And what if I helped them? So... I don't necessarily need to outsource this to a therapist. I can actually have this as a conversation between not necessarily my best friend or my work colleague, but somebody in this room, because we can all help each other. And that's what society is. You know, it's having a chat with somebody and trusting somebody and learning something from that conversation. That's a superpower that we have in groups that we can all bring for each other. So if you see somebody else post something up on the wall and you look at them and you think, but I thought you had it all together. And you say you are afraid of not being able to provide for your children or you're afraid of 
physical pain or whatever it is that you might be afraid of. The kind of softening that happens within people, the sense of compassion that can come for one another to realise that we all have those kind of vulnerabilities, but we just don't talk about them so much of the time. And as you say, it's it's not about a big mental health question. It is just part of the human experience, isn't it? That we have these uncomfortable feelings and we tend to keep them to ourselves. Yes, we've got these amazing imaginative minds that are capable of so much. You know, you have all this positive. There is a what can be a negative element to that. And if we can just talk about that bit, that helps us be even more positive um, and be more useful for ourselves and for others. Your job and my job in this is just maybe to help create some more of that safe space in the world rather than more dangerous, scary, fearful, uncomfortable space. That's what I'd like to be doing is, you know, helping that safe space thing to grow. (laughs) I don't know if you find this, but what I find is that when you have those conversations about what it's actually like to be yourself, rather than what you think you're supposed to be like, (laughs) people's bodies relax, just the, the feeling of, oh, so it isn't just me. So much of the time we go through the world thinking that this weirdness, this is just us. (laughs) We need to keep quiet about it because if other people found out, wouldn't that be a terrible thing? And yet in our own quiet way, most of us are doing a bit of that, I think. Yes. Well, there's a world of should out there, isn't there? There's a world of what we should do and what we're expected to do and what everyone's rewarded for doing. And there's a world of expectation and i talk in the book about framework of imposed power there's a world of imposed power out there that that impedes upon us and makes us feel like that that is not helpful the thing is we're guilty as well because we carry this a bit inside ourselves and we we use this imposed power upon ourselves and upon others in a way we don't realize or intend to be negative but actually is unhelpful hmm So let's be really practical about this, because I always like to try and draw things back to practical examples. How can we in our everyday lives, just as regular people going about our business, how can we create safe spaces for ourselves and for other people and open up a conversation about the things that we're afraid of so that we can bring them into the light and see them for what they are and realise that perhaps they're not as scary or as important as we think? How can we find ways of opening those conversations and those spaces so that we are safe, but we're able to start moving through some of those limiting beliefs. Yeah, well, I think that's the challenge. I I challenge myself to be more of an anchor for this. So when I go out into life and into the world, um, it's like walking into one of those huge buildings where, you know, everything's marble. It might be a lawyer's office in the city or something where everything's so big and impressive and bears down upon you and for me it's about retaining your humanity when you get into those challenging situations and spaces um, and not being made small or made fearful in it and retaining your humanity to be able to to give the gift of um of a little bit of vulnerability and a little bit of calling things out to create that safe space you know i used to think that small talk was one of those annoying things but frankly finding those things in common that we have and feathering the edges with things that make people feel comfortable um, 
and caring about the person as much as the outcome that I want out of this conversation. Caring about how this person feels and their state and that they feel comfortable um, and that I'm helping them to, to feel safe and to grow and to be of their best in that conversation and in their that's important rather than prioritizing what I want to impose or want out of that situation. Actually, I'm more interested not in what I want, but what is possible of this situation to emerge. That's, that's actually really interesting if I can only give myself up to it. Mm. There was something that I felt was a strong theme in the book about, about connection and re-engagement and reaching through to to one another a kind of collaborative process a creative process of being in the world as an alternative to fear but togetherness whereas i think fear often pushes us into isolation yes so whenever i'm feeling down or you know your mind starts to go off in that space i call the sort of horizontal projection forwards and back through time about, about what has happened what might happen and I feel my mind starting to wander into that space I tend to just anchor myself in the moment because I find that when I go out into the world so I go for a walk I go I go and look at nature I go and look out the window I find that anchoring in the moment to what actually is and what I think of as vertical awareness in the moment, in this moment of time I'm in, I find that is the salvation for me in all things. The weird thing is we, we live in this amazingly beautiful place um, that, that we've evolved into, and we don't, we don't look at the beauty of it. I mean, if, if we did, we, we wouldn't do anything because we'd spend all our time wandering around going, this place is amazing, look at those clouds, look at that bird, look at that tree. Isn't nature astounding? You know, there'd be people wandering around and we'd think they're all on drugs because, and maybe that's what that experience is, um, because people would be wandering around going, have you seen that? Because <laughs> life is amazing. And yet, you know, so much of our minds causes us to bypass it and to worry about this little world of I. So I do have a great fundamental belief in the natural environment that exists around us that you know isn't the concrete that man laid but rather the world that kind of happens if the roads and streets are left the grass grows through them and i find all the salvation i need there i have to say i think that also when we connect as humans to the power of that natural world we see it in ourselves and that's what's really interesting interacting with other people who are excited and engaged and energized by you know the experience of being alive and i think it's massively underestimated it reminds us i think of our own fundamental capacity for health what you say about the grass growing through the pavements when they're left <laughs> that that impulse to grow and be healthy and to find creative new ways of doing things and exploring the environment we have that too but we don't necessarily trust that in ourselves i think i think we worry <laughs> i think we worry that we're not okay and actually if we just allow that okayness yes to be there it yes. finds a way well, of manifesting itself 
it's interesting to note that mankind is the only animal that interferes with its own growth. Just dwell on that thought because. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, too clever for our own good sometimes. Oh yes, it's, <laughs> it's true. No, it's it's good that we're clever. It's great, but <laughs> see the limits. Yeah, absolutely. yeah. So, thinking about beauty, then I'd like to move on and ask you what your little challenge would be for our listeners. So what would be a little thing that you would encourage people to do that you think brings a positive benefit in life? Um, Well, I have this little thing that I do occasionally out on the street, particularly when I'm feeling a bit stressed or a bit depressed or a bit, you know, I can feel those edges creeping in. I tend to look people in the face and I wish, I do a thing called wishing them well. And I don't know, I absorb what I saw about them in their face and what might be their thoughts. And I just wish them well um, for their day. Just in my own mind, in my own thoughts, I wish them well. I don't voice it. But I find that just by wishing good on other people, particularly people who look troubled, I find that incredibly powerful and energising as much as as it might be for them it reflects on me. It helps me. Um, I mean, I kind of believe that we're more connected than we believe we are, that we're not all just these separate individuals. And if you think of it like that, if we're connected, it's kind of wishing well upon the system of which we're a part. And ultimately, by doing good to others, um, you're doing good for yourself. So I just have this practice that I find really helpful of wishing well, in a kind, sort of gentle way, just doing that to to five or ten people as you walk along the street i find really powerful <laughs> that's very lovely because there's so much in our everyday experience at work and being out and about being busy human beings that can feel quite dehumanizing i think a lot about the systems within which we live and just that act of looking at someone and connecting with them yeah and sending a good wish to them feels yeah. deeply humanizing yeah, it kind of works for me. <laughs> I love that. Thank you, Hilary. And thank you for your time today. If people would like to find out more about your new book, where should they go? Um, well, it's easy to find. It should be in bookshops and it's on Amazon. Um, I have a website, which is just hilarygallo.com. Just search for it. It's fairly well out there. And if when they read it or connect with it, they'd like to say something. I find that the most amazing thing of all. It's not wanting it for, for any reason, but being curious as to what people find. So I'd love it if people connect and say something wherever they say it. It's nice to hear a reaction because what I'm really doing at the end of the day is I, do, I want this to be a conversation that goes wider. Mm. So if people can help me to do that, to spread the conversation and to make fear less of a problem, um, that's what I'm really about. Fantastic. Let's see what we can do. Thank you so much, Hilary. Thank you, Katie. Thank you, everyone. Thanks for listening. If you know someone who might enjoy today's episode, please pass it on. And if you'd like to hear more from Adventures in Behaviour Change, subscribe on iTunes. Last but not least, if you'd like to help me grow the podcast, please leave an iTunes review. Each one makes a real difference. Until next time, bye for now.
Adventures in Behavior Change is brought to you by the Little Challenges Project. To find out more, visit littlechallenges.com.